That when we move on to the next series that we're going to go to, this is still a principle of life for the believer. It's something that will still continue to work and change your life. Because that's what we have to do if we want to see the blessing of God on our lives. It takes faith. Come on. It takes faith to do what? It takes faith to type. Hello? Yeah. Okay, I'll come back to you in a second. It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to do that. Again, as we've seen so many times, tithing is an act of faith. Why? Because it takes faith to sow a seed and give perhaps the little what we do have with only having the promise of something more. Come on, if we've got it in our hands, it's easy to give because we've already received. But when we don't have it, but yet we sow anyway, that takes faith. It's a test that you and I have got to pass. What did God say in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10? In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, God says these words, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And what did he go on to say? Very important words right there. What does God say? And try me now in this. What is God saying to us with those words? God is saying, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Prove me. But as I read that again today, I began to ask myself, but God, how can I put you to the test? How can I prove you in my life, in my finances? And I really believe that God just clearly and plainly said to me, by having faith. Just simple, but yet so profound. By having faith in me. How can I put God to the test? By having faith. By trusting in Him without wavering. That His ability is going to be able to take care of my every need. Remember David? You can read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. But remember David when he stepped out to face Goliath. I wonder if David, when he stepped out to face Goliath, thought he had what it took within his own ability. Do you think David, when he stepped out to face Goliath, said, man, I'm big and bad, I can take him down? Do you think David stepped out and said, man, I'm a third degree black belt and we'll do some hand-to-hand combat and I'll just, I'll just karate chop him and I'll, and I'll be... Do you think David, in his own ability, felt confident that he was able to beat Goliath? No, of course not. That's a no with a capital N. I mean, here's a giant, here's a warrior, here's a champion. And here's a little shepherd boy. He was small. Pretty insignificant. And what did Goliath do? When David walked out to face him, Goliath began to laugh. Why? Because for days after days after days, he'd been challenging them and he said to them, you send a champion to fight me and whoever wins then we'll be the servants of whoever. So can you see, for days and days, there's been a challenge, and Goliath's thinking to himself, man, they must be finding them someone big and bad. And out walks little David. (laughs) Can you see Goliath laughing? 
that's all you've got. I mean, come on, I've given you weeks. I've given you days. I think it was 40 days and 40 nights. Goliath came out and he blasphemed and he cursed God and he says, you're nothing, you can't do it. And he defiled the name of God, waiting for a champion to come. And they send out a little kid. He's looking and he's laughing. But I believe there's a point in this story that you and I must see. Because as David stepped out, the one to challenge this giant, what was it that Goliath began to do? What was it that Goliath began to do? He began to remind David, listen to this, of who he was. He began to remind David of who he was. Richard, we've got a nursery if you want to take him in the nursery. Is that cool? Yeah, my wife will show you. Kelly, can you show him where he's at? But, you know, he began to remind David of who he was. He began to say, am I a dog that you come out against me with sticks? He began to ridicule. And what was it doing? He was beginning to, if David didn't watch, he was attacking who David was to the point that what would have happened, that all of a sudden David could have began to look at himself and realised his inability. Have you ever had your circumstances begin to remind you of how big and bad they are and how little you really have? Come on, have you ever had your circumstances and situations remind you? The enemy come and remind you exactly what's going on and that you don't have the ability and you don't have the means to make it through. But what was Goliath trying to do to David that our circumstances still today try to do to every one of us? They try to make us to respond according to our need instead of according to our faith. Think about that. They want us to respond according to our need. What do you mean according to our need? Well, I can't give because I've got no money. My need, my bills, everything. We respond to our needs instead of responding according to our faith. It wouldn't have taken David long to realise how much of a bad idea this was if he would have lost his focus. I said it wouldn't have taken David long to realise this wasn't a good idea if he would have lost his focus, if he would have allowed the circumstances, the giant, the enemy to begin to speak into his life, that he began to receive those words, began to believe those words, began to act upon those words, but David did not lose his focus. Had someone come into my office not long ago and say, Pastor, I can't afford to pay my tithes, what should I do? I said, pay your tithes. You may say, well, come on, Pastor, if he doesn't have enough money to pay his tithes, you're telling him to pay his tithes, you better believe, because let me tell you something, you put God first, and he'll redeem the rest. You see, because what are we responding to? Are we responding to the fact of the need? Or are we responding in faith to God? When we respond to our need, we will never see the blessing of God upon our lives. Why? Because when we allow our need to determine the outcome of our lives, we will never put God first in our lives. Come on, I'm preaching the truth to you tonight. We'll never allow God to be first. I'm talking to you tonight about faith. Having faith. 
David knew what the giant was saying was true. David knew that he was nothing. David knew that he wasn't a warrior. David knew that he was small. David knew that he wasn't this great champion that Goliath had called for. Come on, Goliath was speaking the truth. He was just a boy. He was inexperienced in the natural. He didn't have what it took. Come on, the bills, the needs, the distractions, the excuses, they're real. The circumstances around us, they're real. But David had to make a choice. Just like every one of us tonight has to make a choice. No one can make this choice for us. We've got to make it for ourselves. And here's the choice. Either God is able or He's not. There's no third response. He's either able or He's not. You know what? You may turn around and say, well, no, Pastor, because... I'm not questioning that. I just know that if I pay my tithes, I won't have enough money left over to pay my bills and live off. Well, that's exactly what you're saying. What do you mean that's exactly what you're saying? Well, that's exactly what you're saying. You're saying that, God, you're not able to take care of my life, that there's not enough and I I can't believe you. I can't place my faith and I can't place my hope. And what you're really saying is, God, you're not able to take care of my life. And guess what? You're right. You'll never have enough. You'll never have enough if you don't have the faith and trust in God to believe. If you cannot be faithful in littleness, you'll remain having nothing. Because God says, if you can't be faithful in the little, how can you be honoured and rewarded and given those things that are great in our lives? That means if God was able for David, That means He's still able for you and I. Come on, listen to me. These are unchanging principles given to us by an unchanging God. The same lies, the same ridicule that the enemy threw out against David is the same things that battle us in our minds every day, doing what? Making us doubt God's ability in our lives and making us look in the natural and try to see the way of escape for ourselves. You know what David said to the giant? This is paraphrased. David looked at that giant and said, you know what, Goliath, you're 100% right. You're 100% right about me. I can't beat you. I'm just a little boy. There's no hope of success in my own ability. But David looked him square in the eyes and said, but you've forgotten one thing. You see, you failed to see, Goliath, the most important part. And that is this, I'm not coming out to fight you in me. Come on, I'm not coming out in my ability. It's not my strength, it's not my stature, and it's not my might, because we've already cleared that up, I'm no match. But he said, I'm coming to you in God. And against Him, You don't stand a chance. Isn't that incredible? Just reminding yourself that in our natural, we don't have what it takes. As we try and balance things out, it may look like things aren't going to fall in place and how can we and stuff. But what's our focus? Is it in those things or are we saying, I don't come in those, but I come in God and it takes faith 
to come against circumstances and situations. It takes faith to come against life in that way. Can you see the picture of faith today? It operates beyond human abilities. It operates beyond our human ways and releases the supernatural into our lives, which is what we've called the blessed life. That's what the blessed life is, living a blessed life. What is that? Releasing the supernatural power of God to work on our behalf, to work for us in our lives. Listen to me, we've got to have faith in God. And the only way we can have faith in God is by putting Him to the test. Literally releasing Him into our world. Say, God, I trust you. You said put me to the test. God, I'm going to put you to the test. I'm going to have faith, not in my ability, but in your ability. I'm not going to respond to my need, but rather I'm going to respond by faith. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to release you into my world. I'm not afraid tonight to be the first one to stand up here and tell you I haven't got what it takes. Anyone else? I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. I don't even have in my own ability enough strength to heal a fly with a headache. Come on now. I'll be the first one to admit without God I'm nothing. But I'll also be the first one to admit this. With God. Come on. But with God, all things are possible. You see, I may not have what it takes, but when I give the little that I do have, come on, He redeems the rest and He can provide a miracle in my life. Do I hear an amen? God can provide a miracle if I will have the faith to trust Him, to put it in His hands. David won that day because he did not allow his need to override his faith. You've got to keep that seed of faith in the ground. Even if you don't see immediate results, you've got to keep trusting God. But think about that statement for a second. You've got to keep trusting God. How many times have we said, I've got to trust in God? Or how many times have we heard, you've got to trust in God? I want you to think about this. You're trusting in someone who has never failed anyone. You may say, how can I trust in God? Because He's never failed one. He's never failed one person. I said He's never failed one person. He's never not come through because the Bible says He's an on-time God. He may not come through right when you want and right how you want, but He'll come through how you need Him to come through, right when you need Him to come through, in every way that you're needed. So think about that when we say, oh, I've just got to trust in Him. It's almost like a defeated statement. He has never failed. So that really should be not hard to do. It should be a no-brainer. But instead, what do we do? We see the obstacles around us as bigger than God. We see the giants as bigger than God. And begin to believe their lies. And what do we do? We respond to the need instead of responding by faith. Say it with me, I've got to have faith. Come on, say it with me, I've got to have faith. 
A life that touches God with purpose. What a beautiful image that is. A life of faith. A life that touches God with purpose. Touches God with purpose. Dan, you want to give that to me quickly before we go on? Um, week before last, um, um, I'm on disability to start off with. I get a certain amount of money and that's it. And um, after I wrote my tire check out, then I paid all my bills. I had $19 left over. I said, Lord, you know, I, $19 ain't going to be able to stretch out for a whole month's worth of food, you know. And uh, he says, have I ever left you or forsaken you? I said, no. He says, okay. The next day, a lady calls me up. said, I need you to give me an estimate. I went over and gave her an estimate. And uh, I was able to finish that job in nine hours, and I made $400. Praise God. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? What could have happened? His knee could have spoken so loud that he didn't pay that tithe and God supernaturally would not have provided for him. Come on, he tried to talk him out of it. Come on, if you listen to that giant, come on. Come on, if you listen to that giant, he'll talk you out of it. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5 tonight. Mark chapter 5. A very famous passage of Scripture, a very famous story. We're going to begin in verse 25. Mark 5, verse 25 through 34. We're going to read some Scripture tonight. Listen to this. Matthew, uh, Mark 5, sorry, chapter 25. And it says these words, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of this affliction. And Jesus, verse 30, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitudes thronging you. That word thronging you is the same word that they use for a wine press. As they would crush the wine, they would crush the grapes. There was such a crush around Jesus, such a push as everyone was trying to get the attention of Jesus. So the multitude, they said, they're thronging you. And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well or whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What a great little story that we know off by heart. But a story I believe that we need to be reminded once again of tonight. Let's look at this story for a brief moment. She had a need. There was a need. There was a very serious need, in fact, in her life. For 12 years she had suffered with this need. What do we see the next thing, or as we go through the story, she had tried everything else 
listen to me, she had tried everything else. She went to every specialist. She went to every doctor. She went to every surgeon. She went to every clinic. She tried it all. I mean, she was the candidate for new medicines, whatever. Sign me up. I'll experiment on me if you want. I mean, she tried it all. In other words, she touched everything else. But the Bible says she grew worse. No matter what they did, she got worse. So now she hasn't only got a need because she's sick, she's now sick and broke. She's got no more money left. She spent every bit of money, savings, inheritance, whatever that she had to her name and she probably even borrowed too. She probably even spent money that she didn't have from friends, from family members, from people around, anyone who could give to her. She was so desperate to receive that touch. But this day, but this one day, little did she know that her life was going to be changed forever. This would be the pivotal day of her life. But why? Why would this be such a changing day? Because she was going to touch beyond her need. Come on, we're talking tonight about touching God with purpose. Why was it going to be such a life-changing day? Because she was going to step beyond her need. You don't have to get to the place that she did. Where you've got nothing left. And you're almost destitute. To realise the fact that you don't have the answer to your need. In fact, you are the answer to your need and that is this, you're the one who creates the need. You don't have what it takes. Don't get to the end like this lady or other people. Don't wait till like the prodigal son, you find yourself in a pig pen to come to your senses and realise, I cannot meet my own need. I've touched everything else. But all that's happened is it's growing worse and worse. That day when she woke up, there was a stir. There was a buzz around. People were running. There was singing. There was dancing. There was joy. What was happening? She managed to catch the attention of someone and she heard, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. She began to ask herself, I wonder if this could be the same Jesus that I've heard the reports of the miracle." That I've heard how the blind see, the lame walk, how he meets the needs. I wonder if this could be the same Jesus. And then she began to ask, I wonder if he could do it for me. I wonder if he could do it for me. You see, today maybe you're asking that question as your need has been responding to you over and over again. Maybe you're asking the same question as her. Can God do it for me? I've shared this so many times in this series. It's amazing the testimonies that you will hear throughout the whole world of those who are tithers. It's all the same 
test many. And what is that? God met my need. I don't know how, but God met my need. Come on, it's real, it's real, it's real. But you may be like that lady today, still questioning and saying, but God, will it really work for me? It can't be your story. Just like it couldn't be her story until she chose to believe and act upon it. I know she struggled. I know she struggled as the excitement welled up inside of her, but then she pushed it down because she said, I don't want to be disappointed again. I've had my hopes built up so many times with so many doctors and specialists only to see my hopes crushed. And my affirmity get worse. Can you see the struggle? There was a joy and excitement. Oh, maybe it will work. Maybe he can. T- oh, but the reality of the circumstances of life, the need, began to scream louder and louder and louder. Come on, we all know the struggles. Come on, we all know that voice of Satan that wants to keep us oppressed, that wants to keep us sick, And want to keep us broke. God can't meet your need. God don't care about you. Is that not what they told told blind Bartimaeus? Just shut up. Why would he want someone like you? She made a decision. She pushed through the struggles. Her flow of blood for 12 years meant that physically she was so weak. She struggled to get herself up. She struggled to clothe herself. She struggled through her weakness to prepare herself to go out to meet this Jesus. In her mind, she knew the law of the day. The law of the day was she was unclean. Because of the flow of blood, she was unclean. That meant she could not come in contact with any other person. And if she did, if she so much as touched them, then they would be serially ceremonially unclean for seven days themselves. She couldn't be around other people. She shouldn't go out in public. Everything from her physical being to her mental being to everything that was around her was screaming out to her, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But amidst all this noise, she could still hear that question of faith. God, can you do it for me? Can you do it for me? She chose to no longer question it, but she chose to act upon it. She went down the stairs of her house and opened the door. With every bit of strength that she could muster, she began to make her way into a crowd that was so tight, that was so pressed, that she couldn't remain on her feet as literally she fell to the ground, trampled upon, but yet she still pushed through with utter desperation. Can you see what's going through her mind right now? This is stupid. 
this is ridiculous. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to be killed. I'm never going to get to Jesus. What's the point? What was screaming at her? Her need, her need, her need, her need. The sickness, the poverty was screaming at her. But yet she still acted by faith. And she said, if I could just touch one account says the very hem of his garment. As she pushed through the crowd as Jesus walked by and that one last just lunge, she was able just to literally just brush. She wasn't able to grab and pull. She wasn't able to hold on. She was just literally able just to touch it with the slightest touch. All of a sudden, something happened. I said, all of a sudden, something happened. Because she touched God with purpose. Come on, she touched God with purpose. Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Come on, the disciples ridiculed Jesus, the Bible said, and said, for goodness sake, what's the deal? I mean, who, who hasn't touched you? I mean, you've been mauled. Every step you take, people are grabbing you. I mean, what do you mean, who's touched you? I mean, it would be better to say, who hasn't touched you, for goodness sake? Jesus says, no, you don't understand. Someone just touched me with purpose. Someone just touched me with faith. Jesus knew that touch. Come on now. Jesus knew that touch. Jesus knows that touch of faith. It's a touch that He will always respond to. Tithing is an act of faith. It's touching God on purpose, pushing beyond our needs and the circumstances and that which wants to scream so loud, you can't do that, it's foolishness, it's stupid, it's old-fashioned, it's the law, it's all, all these things that would go through your mind. But let me tell you something, when someone touches Jesus with purpose, he knows that touch. I could preach a whole message on this next statement. Jesus stopped. No one else's touch stopped Jesus. And if you would read a few verses later, he is only days away from Jerusalem. And you know what was about to happen in Jerusalem? He was about to be welcomed in as the Messiah and days later he was about to be crucified. Jesus was on his way to redeem mankind, but he stopped for one touch of faith. What are you saying? God is interested in your life in your finances, in your family, in your future. God is interested in you if you will just touch Him with purpose. The lady's trembling. Why? Because she knew Jesus was talking about her. How does she know? Because she got healed. Immediately she got healed. She knew what had happened to her. She knew the one that Jesus was asking about because she knew it had happened to her. The lady made herself known to Jesus. Can you hear the ridicule and scorn? Why? Because most of these people probably knew her. 
They tell us that the person that walked with Jesus was probably the high priest. And the high priest was the one that she had to go to because of her sickness. And it was him that deemed her unclean. Can you see him looking and saying, how dare you come out here? Who did you touch? We're all unclean. You polluted the whole crew. You bust up in and you've messed up our whole parade. They knew her condition. Listen to me, people around you know exactly what's going on. But I'm telling you, as you start touching God, Jesus ignores every one of them. The Bible doesn't say that, but He does. How do I know that? Because He didn't address them, He addressed her. He ignores every one of them and He simply says to her, Daughter, you're... Daughter, your faith has made you, literally that word is sozo in the Greek, which means whole, complete, lacking nothing. Your faith has made you whole. Your act of faith. That's what I'm talking about and I'm not trying to twist words. This is the truth. As we act by faith, as we pay our tithe, as we put God first, not just financially, but in our lives completely, as we put God first, can I tell you that your faith, touching God with purpose, will make you whole, will make you complete. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He says to her these words, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So what does Jesus say to her? He says, faith, peace, and healing. He says, your touch has provided the way of what? Peace for your life. Now you may say, Pastor P, you're twisting it here. But you know what? What was the biggest thing outside of her physical healing? that she needed a touch in. Her finances, huh? What did Jesus say to her? Go in peace. Now you may say, what does that mean? You know what I believe Jesus was saying to her? Just like I've touched you physically, I can handle your finances too. Just trust me. Because how could Jesus say to her, go in peace, if he wasn't going to meet all of her needs? Jesus would be lying. There's no greater unrest that we can have in our lives when we're laying awake at night not knowing how we're going to pay the next bill. The turmoil of financial needs and the pressure. They say that the number one reason why marriages fail is because of lack of communication. The second reason is because of finances. But when you research it further, the lack of communication mostly is as a result of finances. So the number one reason why marriages fail is because of finances. The number one attacker of our lives to steal away peace from us many times is our financial needs and the stress of our lives. But Jesus says to her, your faith has now produced a way that you can live in peace. Why? Because I can take care of every area of your life. And then I like it, Jesus kind of throws it in there just, just, as, in, just as an added extra. Oh, and by the way, that physical problem, I've taken care of that too. I mean, you've got to see that. Jesus didn't say, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Jesus said to her, your faith, according to your faith, Jesus said, go in peace. 
There's a completeness inside of you now. Go in peace. And by the way, you're going to be healed or that affliction has been taken care of too. Listen to me. Many want to be touched, but few want to touch him. Many people say, bless me, God. Come on, God, I'm a candidate for the blessing. I'm not going to say their names, but they're two very highly influential women in this church that were talking about if they won the lottery, what they were going to do with their tithes and their money. God help them not to win the lottery, but just God save their souls. No, I'm playing. But you know what? Many people just want the blessings. Come on, come on, give it to me, God. Come on, give it to me, God. I'm a candidate. I want the blessing. Come on, God, touch me, touch me. Give me a word, God. Touch me, touch me, touch me, God. But how few people want to touch him? Come on, how few people want to take an act of faith and reach out and touch God? In other words, many want to have all the blessings of life, but few fail to see and to believe him for them by putting him first. Because touching God with purpose is having faith in his ability to meet your every need. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What makes it possible to please him? A touch of faith. Faith in our lives. The ability to see beyond our need and by faith to realise that he is able. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. It's almost like the sentence is not finished there. It's almost like the sentence is not finished, that he must believe that he is. He is what? He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He's your peace. He's your comforter. He's your way maker. He's your source of strength. He's your happiness. Come on, what he's saying there basically is that he is able, whatever you may need in your life, by faith, he is able. He is totally able to meet your every need. That he is what? He is able. And that he is a as we touch God by faith, what does he say? I'll reward you. That means there's blessings that are going to come. Blessings, rewards in every one of our lives. Why? Because faith produces rewards. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, those who remain still to put him to the test, despite it all. Those who still trust him and refuse to doubt him. Those who put him first. Nothing pleases God more than steadfast faith in all that he is and what he promises to do in your life. Yes, it takes faith to trust in God with your seed. It takes faith to trust God in putting him first and paying that tithe and honouring him with first fruits. But again tonight, as we have seen from God's Word, when we apply that principle to our lives, God first, He always promises to take care of the rest. Don't allow your need to determine the outcome of your life. Because it certainly will if you allow it to. But instead, allow your need to become a seed. A seed that you... So, by faith, 
a need that becomes a seed that as you sow it by faith, it meets your need. As you touch God with purpose, by faith. Tithing, given to God, is an act of faith. But faith works. Come on, I said faith works. Touching God with purpose works. Oh, the enemy will try and see your inabilities. The enemy will try and remind you just like he did David. But what did David say? It's not about me. It's about in the God that I have placed all my faith and hope. The great other message in that story of David too, that David picked up five stones. Some people say he picked them up just in case he missed. Listen, there was no way he could miss. David could have thrown that rock in the completely opposite direction and God would have turned that sucker around and hit that giant right between the eyes. That was a laser-guided, that was the first laser-guided missile that this world has ever seen. David didn't pick up four extra stones just in case he missed. You can read it later that by the end of David's rule, he went after every other giant that was the sons of Goliath or those of Goliath or Gath, the land of giants. And in his rule, some of the mighty men under David slew every other giant of that day. What was David saying? By faith, he was saying, I'm not just taking you, I'm coming after the rest. Come on, what an incredible boldness we can have in faith that when we give to God, come on, He's going to take care of the rest also. Come on, as we give to God, He's going to respond and meet our every need. Let me remind you again of what He promises to do. Matthew, Malachi 3, verse 10 and 11, Bring all the tithes into storehouse that there may be food in my house and put me to the test. Try me now with this, says the Lord of hosts. Will you touch me by faith and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Come on, say with me, blessed to be a blessing. God's not a God of waste. He gives us more than what we need so we can bless other people. Blessed to be a blessing. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Come on, we're talking about touching God by faith and look at the rewards that the Bible says will come. That I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Why not just thank him? Why not just thank Him and praise Him just for a few moments? Come on, just say thank you, Jesus. Come on. Why not just thank Him for a few moments for that promise that as we touch Him by faith, He's going to completely transform our lives. The question is tonight, will you touch Him with purpose? Is it easy to live by faith? No, it's not. But when you remind yourself that you're trusting in a God that's never let you down. Come on, don't worry about that. Focus up here. When you're trusting in a God that will never let you down, you've got to remind yourself that God is going to meet your every need. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseeds Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 
1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.